Time for the morning brief where we bring in one of our pundits for their analysis on the stories Robert Turner and I have been talking about for the last little while. Today it's Tim Hudak, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Good morning, Tim Hudak. Good morning, John Moore. This Vaughn condo shooter had a history of conflict with his neighbours, and I'll let you take this in any direction, but one thought I had yesterday was just... I can imagine there are all kinds of places that people live where they end up in these kinds of conflicts, and they always think this could lead to trouble, but everybody's afraid of saying anything, so nothing gets done. And then when something like this happens, they all say, well, we knew he was trouble. Yeah, fair enough, but they, they took it pretty far, right? They had restraining orders about this guy. This was going uh, through the courts because of his behavior. It was relatively high profile, and, and law enforcement and the courts were involved. I guess two things. This is an odd way of saying it, but... You know, you, when you often hear about mass shootings, they seem to be a mystery. That uh, where did this come from? It was an individual who was quiet and, and kept to themselves. At least you see a, a, a buildup of case here and a trail where this was leading. Our mind always goes to our own safety and security, and we don't like the uncertain. Here you see a pattern developing. I mean, he had cases that were before the courts. He was doing threats. He was posting online in a highly visible way. It's a shame that he have a chance to go a step further with law enforcement. It makes you think. You know how you could lose your, your driver's license, John, when you're exhibiting uh, failing health and ability to, to actually operate the vehicle. There's got to be some trigger when you own a licensed firearm, and I assume the firearm he had was a licensed one, when you start failing those tests, that that right would be stripped away and the firearm would be taken away. That's, that's a step I can imagine that may have helped, that that may be scandalous to those in the pro-gun side, which I tend to be. There's got to be a line, though, where you say, hey, you no longer qualify for the license. That thing's got to be turned in. No, I would agree, though. I think the average legal gun owner would want guns out of the hands of a person like this. I don't think that this is one of the reasons why, and we were talking about this on the show yesterday, when it comes to the federal liberals and their gun control uh, law, I don't know why they're not consulting with gun owners. It's not like all gun owners want uh, you know, a fully automatic weapon or an assault rifle. Um, they they know what kind of weapons they do and do not need. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, who can continue to own a gun? Because obviously, this guy snapped in a extremely public way. The evidence was there on on Facebook and across the social media. It just seems sensible to me if you're carrying a deadly weapon like that at some point in time, where your mind is broken, you shouldn't possess that weapon anymore. The union representing TTC Special Constables wants some real action on safety in our subways. I think pretty well everybody wants some action. Uh, yesterday it was my own subway station at St. Clair where somebody was went on a, a tear with apparently a broken bottle and managed to injure six people. This has really moved up the, the Richter scale, right, in, yeah. in public concern. It is part of cocktail or, or barbecue chat. We've all had our own experience. There were one time going with Miller, Maitland, and Debbie to see a basketball game, and a very aggressive, soon-to-be homeless person just pacing up and down, staring at people and, and yelling at people. I think this is a, um, a vulnerability for Mayor Tory. I think the first one is always the potential to drift. I don't see that happening with him and his energy levels. The others are you know, the traffic with too many tied up in bike lanes and repairs at the same time and i think crime and decay so let me let me focus on that the, the subway should be safe we should be wanting to go back into the subway We're only about six percent ridership today and this is growing to at least a three or four alarm fire this is the third violent attack we've seen in the last number of weeks the most horrifying was the poor woman who was doused with a flammable liquid and, and set on fire it's incredible so what are the solutions well i i'm glad the union's raising concerns 
I'd like to see them when they're on the John Moore show next time to bring solutions forward. So is that a, a greater number of constables? Is that a greater ability to have police power? Should they actually be the equivalent of subway police? I, I would support that and not simply peace officers. What kind of equipment do they have with them? At one time, it seems ludicrous now, their batons and pepper spray were taken away to give a better public image. Nonsense, John. I actually want to see strong enforcement. I want to see them more visible. So I bet, you know, if the union brought forward some real solutions on the enforcement side, they get the support of the mayor and start making the subway safer again. Yeah, I don't know if it would lead to anything, but I know in New York City they have one policy, which is any uniformed officer can ride the transit system for free. And that's a bit of an incentive to, you know, to just land more police officers, whether they're going shopping or coming home or whatever, on the public transit system. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Th- th- there certainly give a level of comfort to me, to, to my, my family, no doubt. But I, I would actually like to see these, you know, special constables regarded as transit police and not only keeping us safe, but enforcing laws. I, I would subscribe to the broken windows approach as well. If they're people who are skipping on the fares on, on tickets, they're using graffiti, they're littering, even small offenses. Right, will give a feeling of insecurity and will escalate into greater things. New York City has gone this way. In Vancouver, they actually have armed police with firearms. They basically are police in the subway. I think it's a direction we need to go as well. So today is the first day without plastic. And I think reflexively, Tim, people resent governments meddling in their lives. Uh, they also just, for whatever reason, think anything that is environmentally friendly must necessarily be fought back against. But I think we're going to be okay without plastic. I'm at a bit of wait and see, and, and you're probably probably right. Look, I mean, um, we've got the recycle bags uh, in, in the car, but I'm often you know, the guy that suddenly has to go out and, and grab something I don't think ahead, and, and I end up using the plastic bag, which I tend to think we use, again, instinctively, I, I, I my... My immediate rebellion is against government bans. I'm suspicious of government motives. Is it just for the, the photo op and, and the press release as opposed to making a real difference? I, the policy wonk in me says what you should always try to do is recycle, create what they call a circular economy, put fees on these things, make sure the manufacturers or those that use them pay a higher cost and into the recycling stream. I think 80 plus percent, 86 percent of plastics currently go to landfill. If you could do more in the blue box, would we actually have recycling? and secondary uses for them. That's where my instincts usually go. This, however, was done with, think, about three years' notice now, the, the total ban on usage coming in 2023. That does give time for new products and consumers to adjust. So I'll remain somewhat skeptical, John, but I'm not exactly in the rage index on this one. Okay, well, well, let's get to the rage index. I didn't even know we had one. I, I actually am somewhat hesitant to talk about it because I don't want people to be raged. Uh, you know, when we talk about the Von Condo shooter, that's a man who was possessed with rage. But anyway, it's a measure of what people are upset about. Mostly, it seems they're upset about inflation. But in Ontario, a lot of people are upset about Doug Ford. Yeah, and I, I, you know what? I'm kind of upset about the poll. Uh, I got a lot of regard for for Polera and. There is an intense competition among polling companies, and some have resorted to what I think we normally call clickbait, right? They say, oh, i got to go see this rage index. Like, measuring how popular government policies are, absolutely. How are they doing in their job? That makes a tremendous amount of sense. But to say I'm in rage about these yeah. things seems like an exaggeration. You know, I thought when I looked at this, I clicked on it. You know, is there a scale, right? We go from irritated to, to miffed to irked and all the way to peaked at some point in time before you hit rage. <laughs> 
page. It's an exaggeration beneath Polera. What what I do like, the Edelman does one on the trust index. I think that's very fair. How do we trust journalists? Do we trust our politicians? Do we trust corporate leaders? Uh, do we trust the media? And you can see a decline over time out of frustration and skepticism. That seems in the bounds of well-presented, helpful input. The Rage Index, too far. I'm going to ignore it from now on. Yeah, I like the idea that we could just say we're miffed instead, exactly. or, or even peaked. That's excellent. <laughs> um, I thought that the new chief of police in Toronto struck pretty well just the right tone yesterday in saying, okay, I get it. There is still a portion of the community, mostly in the LGBTQ plus community, uh, who are upset about my past. So I'm reaching out and, I'm, and we're going to talk. And I think that's probably the best strategy. I like what I hear about this, uh, the new chief, the, the way he um, he came into office. He recognizes uh, the sins of the past. And, 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 and since uh, the raids in the, the 1980s, I believe, or 19, early 1990s, uh, he, he's made extraordinary efforts to be a, a leader and to uh, in, endorse changes in favor of the LGBTQ community, including within Toronto police. I, of course, I think you're, I'm like you a lot, John. I, I like the ceremony. I like the pomp. I like the tradition. I like to see the way the chief, the former chief was piped out and the new one installed. And I think he has done the, the right thing here in terms of his tone in reaching out to uh, all communities to say he's there to listen. He'll focus on law enforcement. And he's a very different man than he was as a young constable 22 years ago. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Have a great day. Tim Hudak is the former leader of the opposition at Queen's Park, now with the Ontario Real Estate Association. And yeah, I had one of those moments yesterday in watching the new chief being sworn in, and they said he was 56 years old. That's my age. I thought, is that what a 56-year-old guy looks like? Okay. They say that going to high school reunions, the toughest thing is to look around the room and say, really? This is how old I am? It's 6.30. Incidentally, coming up in the next half hour, we'll fall, fall to the gunnels with great content. Our tech expert, Carmi Levy, will be here, and crime specialist Mark Mendelson on the condo shooting, and also a rise in youth carjackings and pharmacy robberies. 